Friday, November 23rd, 2018. You are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Clint Daly, coming to you from the Mile High City here in Denver, Colorado. You know, we get together every single weekday. We talk sports with a dose of common sense, and we are very happy to have you here with us today. Happy Friday to you. You know, I hope that your Thanksgiving went well. I hope that you were surrounded by great people. I hope you had plenty of food. Hope you watched plenty of football. And I really sincerely hope that you didn't get into that drunken argument with friends and family members that is going to make you regret everything that happened yesterday. Maybe right now you're standing in line for a Black Friday sale. Maybe you had to go into work on your Friday. Maybe you're just hanging out at home, you're eating that leftover turkey, and you're kind of nursing that hangover today. Never fear, we have something special for you. Because today on The Daily Dose, we are bringing you a throwback episode of The Daily Dose from back in January 2015. On this show, we were talking some NFL football, we were in the NFL playoffs, and we had actually seen a big playoff collapse that had taken place in the NFL And then we turned that into a Daily Dose Top 5 that we will be bringing you today. So sit back, relax, enjoy a little leftover turkey, and enjoy a throwback episode of the Daily Dose. Wednesday, January 21st, 2015, you are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast And I am your host, Clint Daly, sports writer from Denver, Colorado. Hey, we release a new podcast every single Wednesday, bring you a different outlook on those sports stories that you want to hear about. Uh, You know, we have a little bit of a Colorado flavor, but we do touch on all of the sports angles that you really care about, that you want to hear about. Uh, You can download the podcast. If you're looking to get the podcast and and you want to get in a different place, uh, you can download the podcast. You can subscribe to it on iTunes. Go on iTunes. You can get it there. You can go to Podomatic. You can download it from Podomatic. Uh, podomatics.com and you can also go to the podcast directory.com uh, and you can listen to it you know when it's convenient to you uh, when do you want to hear it do you want to hear it on your on your drive to work do you want to hear it while you're sitting in traffic do you want to hear it while you're working out do you want to hear it while you're sitting at work and you're bored out of your mind sitting in your cube with nothing else to do that's what I get a lot of people. That's what I hear from a lot of people that they're doing. If that's what you're doing, keep doing it. Uh, hey, our numbers are going up. Uh, we keep getting more and more listeners every single week. You know, we've got a lot to talk about today. Super Bowl 49 is set. We're going to be talking about that a little bit today. We're going to look forward a little bit to college football next season. Plus, we've got some NBA, got a little bit of college basketball, and of course, one of our more popular segments here on the Daily Dose, we have our Daily Dose Top 5. It does have an NFL flavor to it this week. This week. Super Bowl is next week. This week, we've got the Pro Bowl. You excited about the Pro Bowl? Of course you're not, because it's terrible. Here's the problem with the Pro Bowl. We've had this Pro Bowl for like, you know, 30, 40 years. Uh, the, the bad thing about, about the Pro Bowl is football doesn't translate to an all-star game. Because you, you can't play football half speed having fun. You have to kind of play football angry. You have to play football full speed or else it doesn't work. And either you're going to get hurt or it's going to be a bad product or both. And we have seen both. This year, the Pro Bowl isn't even in Hawaii. It's not even in Hawaii. It's down in Arizona. So if you thought no one was going in years past, really no one is going this year. We are down getting into like sixth and seventh selections going to the Pro Bowl. I mean, you're going to have Andy Dalton and Matthew Stafford in this game as quarterbacks. What's next? Are we going to have RG3 and Johnny Manziel taking snaps? Well, I mean, no one else wanted to come. We had to go to those guys. 
tells you a lot. But I have a couple ideas. I've got some ways to fix the Pro Bowl. I know, I know. It's what we do here at the Dose. We help people. NFL, I'm just, I'm throwing these out there for you. It's not about me. It's about helping you. And it's about giving the fans what they want. So here's a couple ways that I just want to throw out real quick. Ways we could fix the Pro Bowl and make it more watchable. Because I know, I'm a huge, I'm a huge sports fan, obviously. I won't turn on the Pro Bowl this weekend for one single second. I don't care. It's completely irrelevant to me. So I've got a few ways that we could fix this Pro Bowl and make it a little more watchable. Option number one, we get rid of the game itself. And what we do is we bring in a host of players and we just do the contests. So we do who's the fastest, who's the fastest man in the NFL, who can throw it the farthest. Uh, you, you might remember they had, they had kind of this uh, quarterback contest they used to do back in like the eighties and nineties where they would kind of, you, you know, who could throw it the most accurately, who could hit these moving targets, bring back kind of that mentality, who can, it's, it's not great. I'll admit. It's not great, but you could do some skills competitions and you could do some things like that. And it would be better than what we have now. Option two. If you are, I guess, probably over 25 years old, you, you might remember, you might remember a show that was on back in like the 70s and 80s, maybe, maybe into the early 90s called Battle of the Network Stars. And, and, and if you don't remember, here's what Battle of the Network Stars was. What they would do on this weird show, and they would do it like kind of during the summer when they were trying to get sweeps week and all this kind of stuff. They would take, uh, you know, these, these actors and actresses from your, from your shows that you see on network television, and they would bring them out and do this kind of weird uh, Olympics kind of thing. And, and, and that was what the show was. And so they would do, so you would have like, I don't know, you'd have like a Jimmy Walker and like Alice from the Brady Bunch. And, and they would be going against, uh, one of those fat girls from the Facts of Life and like Mr. Belvedere. And they'd put him in a kayak and see who could row the fastest. I'm not even joking. You can look this up. It's actually true. So what if we did this with the NFL? What if we had AFC versus NFC? And so we've got like JJ Watt and Andrew Luck are going against, uh, Jordy Nelson and like Patrick Peterson and we have them in like the high dive or like the human cannonball. Uh, yes, yes, there are some injury factors to take, but tell me you wouldn't watch that. You're firing like Andy Dalton out of a cannon. Are you kidding me? I'm watching that in a hot minute. You're doing like a, like a trapeze. And J.J. Watts got to, you know, fling C.J. Anderson to the other. I'm watching that. It's getting better. It's getting better. I don't know if that's the answer, but it's getting better. Battle of the Network Stars is not the worst option for the for the NFL. Last option. Here's the option, and I think this works. I think this works. Option number three for the Pro Bowl. This will make it more watchable. This will make it a better product. Three words. Celebrity Pro Am. I want you to think about that for a second. So we have, uh, you know, Andy Dalton, Andrew Luck, whoever the quarterback is, and he's handing it off to Ben Affleck going against an NFL defense. Are you kidding me? You're telling me you don't want to watch that? Bradley Cooper, I know you're up for an Academy Award, but right now you're going to have to try to tackle Mark Ingram because you're, you're the starting middle linebacker. Hey, not the worst idea. Not the worst idea. Get it, you know, Tom Cruise is coming in. He's playing a little bit. We've got a uh, we've got Keanu Reeves playing quarterback. We could actually see Johnny Utah playing actual quarterback. I want to see if these guys can play. And 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 if they can, if they can step up, great. And if they can't, then we'll find out and we'll be entertained. Are you kidding me? Keanu Reeves, Johnny Utah? Bye, Dios, bro. 
just to sell you on this one, one last point, you're telling me you don't want to see Justin Bieber running a crossing pattern? Are you kidding me? I can't get home soon enough to watch this. That is, that is television. That is must see TV right there. Uh, the Pro Bowl is horrible. We all know that. I'm just, I'm throwing out ideas that, that would fix it. I'm telling you, Celebrity Pro Am is the way to go. I would probably take, you know, take the week off from work just to stay home and watch this and watch replays and watch pregame. It would be epic. It would be epic. Again, just trying to help you, NFL. Got some breaking news coming out. A lot of things coming out today. Of course, the big news of the day is the New England Patriots and Deflate Gate. We're going to throw gate on the end of everything. Uh, we're we're going to touch on this a little more in depth uh, a little bit later. But but Patriots now, it, it's found that, yes, indeed, they did deflate their footballs. Going to touch on this a little bit more. Uh, Mark Tressman, former Chicago Bears coach, looks like he is headed to the Baltimore Ravens to take over the spot vacated by Gary Kubiak, who was introduced yesterday in Denver as the new Denver Broncos head coach. Gary Kubiak... He's either found the fountain of youth or he's painting that hair because his hair looks better than it did when he was a player back in the 80s. Uh, looks like Dan Quinn is going to uh, end up in Atlanta once the Seattle Seahawks finish the Super Bowl. And it sounds like he's going to take uh, uh, Kyle Shanahan as his offensive coordinator, one to keep an eye on down there. I'm hearing news just today. I'm hearing news. Woody Page uh, here in Denver is reporting that Peyton Manning will return to the Denver Broncos going to be very, very interesting to see how he will fit into that Kubiak offense or how Kubiak will uh, kind of tailor make that offense for Peyton Manning, something to keep an eye on. And it sounds like Adam Gase, who is the the offensive coordinator here in Denver, it, right now he doesn't have a job. Remember, th- there was talk he was a done deal for the 49ers. He was going to be the guy in line for the Broncos. And last year, there were teams that were interested in him as well. He doesn't have a job right now. Looks like he's going to go to Chicago and at least interview with John Fox. I would imagine he's going to get that job. But here's something to think about with Adam Gase. You're going to go from Peyton Manning to Jay Cutler, or Jake Cutler, as John Fox called him yesterday in his presser. Jake Cutler. Uh, that's going to be a little bit, a little bit of a learning curve for Adam Gase. I know you're used to dealing with a computer, but you're going to be dealing with a guy that, I'm going to be honest, probably doesn't really care and probably will never come to uh, take the time to learn your name. Let's jump into Super Bowl 49 because th- that one is set. We have we have the Seattle Seahawks versus the New England Patriots. And I, I'm wondering, are you excited about this Super Bowl? And I realize if, if you're here in Denver or whatever, uh, but just in general, as a nation, are we excited about this Super Bowl? Because you have kind of these obnoxious... Uh, Cheating Patriots versus the loudmouth Seahawks that can't make a defensive tackle without standing over the ball carrier and thumping their chest. It just, it doesn't strike me as a, as a Super Bowl that most of the nation really cares about. The problem is there's no one to root for. I, I think most of the nation is looking at this and saying, I don't, I don't even know who I want to win. I don't know. I, I, I'm not interested in it, to be real honest. I mean, I'll watch it, but I might just watch the puppy bowl. Is that? What about the Bud Bowl? Is the Bud Bowl still going? Because I feel like uh, the Bud Bowl might have a bigger interest. I'm, uh, is it Bud Ice, Bud Dry? It's one of those. I'm, I'm going to take one of those. Speaking of uh, vomit inducing, the Green Bay Packers needed the Heimlich on Sunday as they choked in that NFC Championship game like very few teams in the NFL ever have. And, and you know, it wasn't so much the amount of points. As bad as that was, 
as bad as the amount of points was, because they were up 16 nothing. Uh, but it, it was the amount of points with the time remaining, because they were up by 12 with less than four minutes left to play. And, and, and with, you know, just under like, like five minutes, uh, Seattle Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson throws his fourth interception of the day. And, and Morgan Burnett picks it off. And then he runs and he runs into Seattle territory. And it looks like he's got room and space and, and could keep running. I don't know that he could have scored, but he definitely could have got him into field goal range. And he kind of just, he kind of lays down. He just takes a knee and, and, and gives himself up. Up 19 to 7. He's got room. If he keeps running, like I said, if nothing else, you're in field goal range. It, it wasn't that just kind of a microcosm of the game for the Packers. We thought we had it won, so we decided to start taking a knee with five minutes left in the game. Kind of just struck me as that's just kind of, and, and, and the Seattle Seahawks fans were actually leaving the game. They were actually getting up and leaving. Game's over. We're down 12. There's less than four minutes. Game's over. They're leaving. Now you, you gotta cut them a little bit of slack. You have to cut Seahawks fans a little bit of slack. Cause, cause a lot of them, I'm not gonna say all of them, but a lot of them, they've only been fans for like a year. So it's, it, it's, it's a learning curve and they haven't quite gotten there yet. But three runs, Packers get nowhere. They have to give the ball right back. And, and it, the, the weird thing about that was that you had the Seattle secondary was kind of banged up. I mean, you had Earl Thomas nursing a bad shoulder. You had Richard Sherman over there with a sprained elbow or whatever. He wasn't lifting the one arm. I, I have the, maybe the best quarterback in the league right now, and I'm not going to at least let him throw it once. Three runs, they punt, and all of a sudden Seattle kind of just wakes up. Boom. Scores in seven plays. Onside kick. And the Packers have a backup tight end out there that is basically just out there to block. He's only out there to block poor Bostic. The, the thing we didn't know, I think his name is Brian Bostic. The, the thing we didn't know is that apparently uh, during the previous week he had had surgery to graft ping pong paddles onto the end of his wrists instead of hands because the ball goes through his hands. Seahawks get it back. Four plays. This time, just four plays, and they score a touchdown. And now they have the two-point conversion that will put them up three. And it was such a strange two-point conversion because Russell Wilson rolls out to the right. He's in trouble. He comes back to the left. He just chucks it up. This play has no chance. I mean, you could have fair caught this pass. And somehow, the Packers can't get to it. Seattle catches it. They're up by three. Green Bay gets the ball back, still have some time left in regulation, but it was kind of a weird drive because they didn't really use their timeouts. They didn't really seem to be in any kind of a hurry to try to get a touchdown. They go down and they settle for a field goal, and now you're going to overtime. And when they went to overtime, I knew this game was over. In fact, if you want to look, you can go back and look at my Twitter feed with about uh, four or five minutes into the game. Remember when the Seahawks kept turning the ball over? but the Packers were settling for field goals. I said on my Twitter feed, you can check it. If Green Bay settles for a field goal here on this second turnover, this game's over. They will lose this game. You can go look it up. You can go check. And sure enough, that's uh, that's what happened. It was kind of a weird way to get there. Uh, but Seattle gets the ball in overtime, goes 87 yards right down their throat, game over. Seattle goes on. Lucky, maybe. Choke by Packers, 
definitely. Mike McCarthy, they, uh, they probably should be looking at head coach Mike McCarthy and trying to figure out what to do with him because that was, uh, that was definitely a game where you coach not to win. Uh, but you, you coach to try not to lose. We just don't want to lose it. We just don't want to lose it. Painful to watch. Painful to watch Green Bay just melt down the way that they did. Um, it, the the funny thing after the game to me, we had Russell Wilson going with his you know big crocodile tears and everything, uh, and then here is the funny thing, and I know Russell Wilson is caught up in the moment, but he says there was never any doubt. We always expected to win. Let's think about this for just one second. You don't cry if you expected to win. Like like if I want a drink of water and I go over to the to the fridge and I get a drink of water. I push, I push the thing and the water comes out and I get a drink and, and, and there's no crying. If I'm in the desert and I think I might die and I find somewhere that gives me water, I might cry for that because I wasn't expecting that. Don't tell me you expected it the whole time or you wouldn't be crying. You'd just be going, yeah, we expected to win. It was no big deal. We just came in here and we scored at the end and they only won. You're sitting there bawling like a child that just had candy taken away from him and telling me, we expected to be here. I'm not quite buying that. Let's move over to the other game. New England Patriots just crushed the Colts. And and the Colts, to be fair, thought they had won the Super Bowl last week when they had beat the Broncos and Peyton Manning. You know, it's weird. It's weird because it's kind of like we saw Peyton Manning hand the torch off to Andrew Luck. And we thought it was the torch to being the next great quarterback. What we didn't realize is it was the next, uh, it was the next quarterback to play terrible every single time they faced the Patriots in the playoffs. We didn't realize it at the time. Now we know. Uh, Patriots quarterback Tom Brady, he wasn't great. He wasn't great. Uh, but the Patriots beat the Colts the way that they do every time, it seems like. They just run the ball right down their throat. LeGarrette Blunt, 30 carries, 148 yards and three touchdowns. But after the game was was the bigger story, and we're going to touch on this right now. Because after the game, we found out that apparently the Patriots might have been cheating. Now, I told you just last week, I told you last week, you can always tell if Bill Belichick and the Patriots are cheating. If they field a team, they're probably cheating somewhere. I just told you this last week. And now we find out, and, and here's the thing, if, if you aren't quite familiar with the story, each team gets 12 footballs that they bring into the game, and when it's their ball, they use one of their balls, and they put it into the game, and they play with it. Tom Brady throws an interception, it's picked off by Dequell Jackson, he returns it, and when he returns it back, he takes it over to the equipment guy, the Colts equipment guy, and he says, this ball feels funny. Turns out, it was a little underinflated. Well... Two pounds underinflated. That's not a tiny bit. That's not a, that's not a tiny bit. That's a little bit. That's, a, that's underinflated. That's, you can squeeze that a little bit. Um, and, and here's the thing. If your first thought is, well, who cares? It was 45 to 7. You're missing the point. Because, it, and I want to wait. I want to, I want to hold just a second because I want to see. It looks like the NFL did fine. 11 of the 12 Patriots footballs were deflated. They did have 11 out of 12. And you might say, well, what happened on the other one? I'll tell you what happened on the other one. One, that's the one you present to the official. And two, that's the one you kick with. I don't want a soft football to kick with. It, it won't, it, it'll absorb too much and I won't get the distance. So that's why that one is, is not underinflated. 
But if, if you're sitting there going, uh, this isn't that big of a deal. Who cares? It was 45 to 7. You're missing the point. You're missing the point. Because like it or not, if this is all found to be true, if this is all found and and we don't find, oh, yeah, the Colts underinflated theirs or it was the weather or whatever, two pounds is an awful lot. But if this all comes out that this is true, you can sit there and say it's no big deal. But this does affect your legacy, like it or not. You don't have to like the rule. And that's one of the things. Well, it's just a stupid rule. That's kind of what we heard you know, last week with the Cowboys and the Packers. It's just a stupid rule. You know what else is stupid? It's stupid that I can't drive 55 uh, everywhere on the street. And, and on some highways, I can't drive the speed limit I want to. That's a stupid rule. But if I get pulled over, I'm getting a ticket. So you can argue about the rule if you want. But here's the thing that, that bothers me so much about this. And I'm going to throw this out there. And Patriots fans might not like this. But this is performance enhancing. If Tom Brady can grip the ball a little bit better, it's performance enhancing. Uh, steroids? See, here's the thing about it. Is not only do I have to question what you're doing under inflating these footballs, but I've got to think about, well, what else are you doing? What are you doing that I haven't caught you yet? Because if you're sitting there and you're saying, it's not a big deal, and, and it really doesn't even help that much. I've heard a lot of a lot of the pundits out there and a lot of the people say, it really doesn't even help that much. Then why do it? It's the same thing with steroids. A lot of people were saying when Barry Bonds and all that, well, it really doesn't even help that much. Then why were you taking a needle and sticking it in yourself? Why would you take the time to under-inflate 11 footballs if you weren't getting some sort of advantage? It wouldn't be worth the time and the trouble. So you can sit there and act like, oh, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. But the fact is, you went out of your way. Why do it? You know, the best part about the whole thing is this kind of uh, dismissive, uh, righteous indignation that we get from the Patriots. We heard it from Brady. Uh, he was on a radio interview, and he was talking about, I'm not even going to respond to that. We hear this stuff all the time. And Belichick is like, oh, that's not even a story. And and I heard Teddy Bruschi, stop bringing up these kind of dumb stories. Why can't we just focus on how great they are? Yeah, because uh, far be it from from, you know, Patriots to cheat at all. I mean, they have this, they, they have this act like, like we would ever cheat. This stuff is so beneath us. You always cheat. You've been caught cheating. We've caught you cheating. Do you remember the $750,000 you were fined? Do you remember the first round draft pick that was taken away from you for cheating? So stop acting like this is somehow beneath you. You cheat every single week. It, it, it's just bizarre. And, and like I said, if you feel like it, it's not a, it's not a big thing. It's not, it's 45 to seven. It makes no difference. It's the fact that you're somehow trying to get over on the NFL rule book. Uh, now having said all this, what do I expect? What do I see the NFL doing? I see the NFL sitting on all this. I see the NFL doing nothing on this until at least after, after the Super Bowl. They're not going to do anything with the Super Bowl. And then they'll kind of brush it under the carpet and say, Oh yeah, it's no big deal. That's what I would expect. Belichick won't get anything. Maybe they'll get a fine. That'll be about it. They'll blame it on the ball boy and say, well, we didn't know. I don't know what the, I can't keep track of what the ball boy does every time. What's going to happen eventually though, you're going to have the NFL, the NFL rules committee will end up having, okay, we provide the footballs. You don't get your own footballs and here's how they all are across the board and you don't get input on it. And then you'll have Bill Belichick out there with a tack trying to let, you know, air out of him. Hey, next week, daily dose, we have a Super Bowl preview next week and we get you ready 
like no other. We will go in depth. We will take, and we take a look at, you know, some things that you might not think of. Some different angles going into the Super Bowl that just might give one team the advantage over another. So next week, you do not want to miss our in-depth Super Bowl preview. As we do every week here at the Daily Dose, uh, right now we are going to bring to you our Daily Dose top five. And you, you know, I, I struggled a little bit. I was kind of, I was kind of wondering, you know, which way do I go with this Daily Dose top five this week? Uh, we do our Daily Dose top five each week, and and it could be a you know a different thing. And 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 I got some input on on Twitter, and I had a couple of people, you know, with a few suggestions. What I went with this week, the Daily Dose top five. NFL playoff collapses. That's what we're going with this week. You know, we saw on Sunday, obviously, the Packers up 16 to nothing. Up 12 with less than four minutes to go. And somehow, they find a way to give it all up and lose the game. And so I went back and I was like, let's look at some other playoff collapses. And the top five uh, NFL playoff collapses in NFL history. Let's take a look. At number five. And I know what you're going to say when I when I put this one on there. You're going to say you're a homer. You can't put that one on there. Well, I'm going to because I am a homer. 1987 AFC Championship game. The Cleveland Browns are up seven at home. It doesn't sound like that big of a deal. Who cares? They're up seven at home. Big deal. Well, you're facing the Denver Broncos, a team that who, who had never really done anything. And you're up seven at home with less than five minutes to go. When they kick off, the Broncos fumble the kickoff. They end up getting it on their own too. Now, again... This might not sound too bad. You have to realize, everyone in Cleveland is going crazy. They're finally going to the Super Bowl. This is a Bronco team that hasn't moved the ball since early in the third quarter. They don't have any offense today. People in Cleveland are going nuts. You've got the dog pound. They're dressed up in their funny little dog suits. They're so crazy with their their dog biscuits. Everybody is going crazy. This game is over. They're finally going to get to a Super Bowl. And somehow... John Elway goes 98 yards to tie the game. But see, that's the thing. It's not over. You don't just sit there and say, well, yeah, you put, they put together one drive. Because don't forget, Cleveland wins the kickoff in overtime. It, that just tied it. Cleveland gets the kickoff in overtime. They basically go three and out, end up kicking, and the Broncos go down and win it. But it, it seriously was. It was one of the biggest choke jobs, it, one of the biggest collapses. That game, if you watched it, that game was over. There was no question. When when Denver fumbles the ball on their own two, game's over, everyone's celebrating. Somehow, Marty Schottenheimer finds a way to lose to John Elway and the Denver Broncos. That is number five on our list. Number four on our list was just last year. 2014, the AFC wildcard game. Somehow, the Kansas City Chiefs ended up losing this game. They were up 28. They were up 38 to 10 in the third quarter. And you know, the biggest, the biggest thing I've found in most of these games... And there is a trend. One of the, the things you find, one, there's usually a turnover or something that kind of, kind of turns the momentum. But usually you see a common theme. And that is that the, the team that is up takes their foot off the accelerator and changes what they do. And that was the case here. Because the Chiefs are up 28. Uh, and all of a sudden you, you kind of start playing a different defense. You kind of start changing what's been working on offense. And the Colts outscore the Chiefs. Andrew Luck gets hot. The Colts outscored the Chiefs 35 to 6 in the final 27 minutes. Colts come back and win it 45 to 44. Our number three entry on our Daily Dose top five playoff collapses in the NFL, the 2002 NFC wildcard game. The New York Giants are up 24 on the 49ers. 
somehow they end up giving this away. And and like I said, there's always kind of that play that, that changes the momentum, that changes the tide. If you remember this game, the Giants are driving. They're going to get it. They're going to just add to their lead. And Jeremy Shockey drops a wide open touchdown. And then you had the issues with the New York Giants. Remember their, their, their long snapper? Like, I don't know if he got the yips, but he like forgot how to snap the ball. You kept having bad snaps on field goals. You kept having bad snaps on punts, even on shotgun formations. They kept having these bad snaps. And the game ends just so bizarre because the Giants actually had a chance to win this game at the end. The Niners come back and win 39-38. The Giants had a chance to win. And again, you get a bad snap. And, and, and the hunt, the, the holder who was the punter, uh, Matt Allen, I think his name was, he actually, you know, just picks up the ball and is like, well, I'm going to throw a pass, throws a pass. You have San Francisco 49ers just pulling down anyone who who resembled a receiver. No pass interference called. It was just a, a bizarre finish to a really really weird game. Uh, but somehow the Giants, uh, you know, just give up a 24 point lead and find a way to lose down the stretch. It, it just seems like if you just make one play, just make one play, you would you would stop the bleeding. You would get you would get yourself going. They couldn't make that one play. Number two on our list. Uh, the 2006 AFC Championship, and and this is one of those ones that you look at this and you're like, this this doesn't fit. This isn't what we've kind of you know come to know, come to come to understand what happens in the NFL. The 2006 AFC Championship game, the New England Patriots, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, up 21 to three on the on the Indianapolis Colts and Peyton Manning. Of course, that game's over, and somehow again, the Patriots changed what they did. They took their foot off the accelerator. They kind of changed what they did defensively. And all of a sudden, Peyton Manning gets hot, puts up 349 yards passing. And remember that Bill Belichick, he always seems like he has the answer to how to play Peyton Manning. Like Peyton never has the big games against Belichick that he usually does against other teams. Not in this game. The Colts put up 455 yards of total offense. That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. They come back, they beat the Patriots 38-34, and then go on to beat the Bears in the Super Bowl. And again, in the second half, the Patriots' offense completely changed. It was punts, it was turnovers, it was fumbles. These these comebacks, you have to have something that, that changes, something that tweaks it and, and gets it going. Our number one entry on our Daily Dose Top 5 NFL playoff collapses, It's it's the biggest one ever. The 1992 AFC wildcard game. The Houston Oilers, not the Houston Texans, not the Tennessee Titans or whatever. The Houston Oilers are up in the third quarter. I want you to just stop and think about this. They are up 35 to three in the third quarter. This game is in Buffalo. One of those snowy days, blustery days, snowflakes in the air. Uh, this everything that the, that you would expect to be Bills football, except for everything's going wrong. The Bills don't have their starter. Jim Kelly is out. Frank Reich is in, and somehow the Bills get hot. And and remember, if you remember this this Houston Oiler team, and they were the victim of a lot of comebacks because they kind of ran that that offense that was pass first, and if it was a possession kind of game. They weren't always the most comfortable in that sort of situation. You had Warren Moon, you had uh, Curtis Duncan, Haywood Jeffries, uh, Drew Hill. You had a, a group that they liked to, to just drop back and throw the ball over the place. But when you got into a tight game like this, 
it seemed like it kind of changed the way that they played. And all of a sudden, we can't generate first downs, and we can't control the time of possession. And everything we do well is now out the window. The Bills outscore them 38-3 to down the stretch and come back and win 41-38. to You know what I remember about this game? Is I remember the Bills actually took the lead. I think they took the lead uh, 38 to 35 in regulation. And the Oilers get the ball back and, and now they're back in their comfort zone where they say, okay, we're going to attack. We're going to go down the field. We're going to try to score. But what I remember about this game is they went down the field. They were, they were getting chunks of yardage. They were moving the football. And then when they got into field goal range, they kind of just said, okay, good enough. Let's just kick it, tie it, go into overtime and we'll win it. And I remember thinking as a young kid, who, who had no idea what I was even, you know, watching. Uh, as a young kid, watching this game and thinking, if they settle for a field goal here instead of trying to get to the end zone, they will lose this game. There is no question. And I had that same thought when I was watching the Packers-Seahawks game, when the Packers are driving, they're inside the five, they're inside the two, and then they're settling for field goals. And I'm thinking, first half, early on, if they're settling for field goals here, they are going to lose this game. And that is exactly what happened. Uh, you know, the, the Oilers settled for a 26-yard field goal. They get into overtime, and you knew. You knew the Bills were going to win that. There was no question about that. Uh, but, you know, the, the biggest comeback in postseason history, the 1992 AFC wildcard game. Oilers up 35-3, to and the Bills come back and beat them 41-38. to Nobody, and I mean nobody, chokes away a win like the Houston Oilers used to do. They, they just had a knack for it. They just they just had a skill for it. They found ways to lose games late. Hey, it is Friday, and we hope that you are enjoying the podcast each and every week. Thank you all so much for subscribing to the show. Thank you so much for sharing the show. We genuinely do appreciate it. Have to say thank you to JSP. Could not do any of this without you. I will see you all on Monday. Have a great weekend.